it's, I, I love football. I love the football season that we have uh, because of the fact is that it teaches us so much. There's, there's one thing that uh, we learn about. No, no coach is ever going to send somebody out and say these words to him and just say, just look out for yourself. You know, nobody says that. You know what they do when they're in that huddle or where they're in the, the locker room or before they get off the bus or whatever, they'll, the coach will always remind them, says, make sure you have each other's backs out there. Some of the, the greatest losses that we've ever experienced in football is because of the quarterback got sacked before he was ever to make the play. You're just like, all he has to do is get the next down and we're, we've got this thing and whatever. And then the, the, they're, the, everybody's not watching and all of a sudden that guy that is doing whatever, he gets sacked, he gets brought down game over and you're just like what a horrible way to lose it stinks it happens all the time I think of that as being such a spiritual principle of the fact is I asked you the question in the game of life and everyday life who has your back the, one of the most dangerous statements people can make is like oh I got this I've got this by myself no you don't have this by yourself I, I want to take you to the book of Mark and I'm going to start there and then we're going to jump forward but I, I want to kind of just set this uh, situation up because we're using the illustration of Jesus as going through life and we're all going through life. But let me show you how Jesus didn't come just to die on the cross. Jesus came to show us how to be Christ-like, show us how to live, how to interact with one another, how, how to face opposition. And he did face a lot of opposition. So he gave us this example. And let me just start at the beginning because I'm just trying to prove a point with this. In Mark 1, 1, it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God. Now you say, what is the beginning of the gospel? Preaching and teaching, which he did. He absolutely did. And I, I almost was going to just break down Mark chapter 1 and walk you through that. But watch what, by the time we get to verse 16. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Verse 19, And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with their hired servants and went after them. So one of the first things he did is like, I'm going to turn the world upside down. I'm going to introduce the gospel. I'm going to die on the cross and come out of the grave three days later. I'm going to give you something to sing about. But, and the whole journey and the mission that he did that, he starts off by calling these guys. Now, I mean, this is the illustration, but I mean, it was the fact that they were somewhere on the sidelines, not in the mission of God. They, they were doing their thing. And, and I, I, I told you this before, and I, I think you've kind of kept up with this. At the beginning of this sermon series, we were talking about that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What, what, what is that? If it's built on the word of God, it can't. You, don't expect victory if this is how we do the Christian life. If the Bible says this is how to live life and this is what to do and this is how you're living your life, then I tell you, then expect defeat. You're not going to win because you're not doing it God's way. And you say, well, I thought the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's not upon you doing things your way. It's upon the authority of Scripture, you doing things God's way. That's, that's the rock in which we stand that is the power in which we have to, to hold on to as we go through storms and issues of life. Pastor Bryce, last week, brought it to the next, and this is our discipleship path. He talked about the priority that we have, the, the fact that we worship together on Sundays. We make a priority out of gathering together as God's people for preaching the Word of God 
and for worshiping together. Those are not options. They're not man's ideas. They're not just something that we came up with. Those are things that God has given us for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's a priority. But let me show you, as they kept going together and they did all of these things, look at verse 29. And forthwith, when they had come out of the synagogue, that's a great place to be. They then did something else. They entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now they're, they're going through life together. And not just at church. Not just in the synagogue. Not just in the temple. Watch what they do. Verse 30, but Simon's, wife, mother, uh, Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever. So here they are. They, they, they go from the synagogue. He gathers them together. And they went together and walked into the house. And Peter's like, man, guys, I'm just being honest. We're going through a hard time. My mother-in-law is sick. And, I, and they were there together in a hard time. They were doing life together. It, was, it wasn't just, uh, all right, guys, see you next Sunday. It was, it was an everyday thing. It's, and I thank God that we can worship together on Sundays. And this is biblical, and this is important, and preaching and worship, and giving and fellowshipping, and all those things. But there's more. There's more. There's not more because I'm going to make up more. There's more because Jesus says there is more. Jesus gave his personal life to give us a demonstration of how to handle life. And I, I want to I show you Jesus in a different perspective today. Now, we know that Jesus is, is hard to wrap our minds around because he was 100% man and 100% God. He wasn't 50-50. He was 100% man and 100% God. And this is hard for us to understand sometimes. But in Philippians 2.8, the Bible says, And being found in the fashion as a man. I mean, the, the word fashion literally means he was made in the likeness of man. He was like, he, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death. Now, let me tell you, if he wasn't 100% man, he couldn't have died. And, and, and I, you say, Pastor Tony, explain how somebody can be 100% God and 100% man. It's hard to understand. Even the death of the cross, when we see the humanity of Jesus Christ, he slept, he ate, he cried, he had emotions, he had feelings. When we go to the cross, we see that Jesus bled. He died. I mean, the, the Jesus, Jesus was suffered on the cross. He, he was thirsty. All those things just showed that he was 100% man. But he also lived his life out for us to understand how to deal with life. Imagine the emotions leading up the cross. Because the Bible said he knew in, his, in the spiritual side of Jesus Christ, and the divine side, that he was going to die on the cross. Think about how often he said, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. Can you imagine that being laid before you as you're going to the cross and knowing the, 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 just the heaviness of dealing with that in life? But let me show you, this is what Jesus was doing was real life. He wasn't like, I'm God, so I'm going to store above problems. Let me break this down a little bit just so you understand that of, of real life in this passage that we're going to be talking about. Jesus was betrayed. Now, I know in our humanity, we know what that's like. Some of you might feel like I've been betrayed by a spouse. I've been betrayed by a church. I've been betrayed by a friend. I've been betrayed by my kids. My kids get up and older, and then they want nothing to do with me. Or I, I had a best friend, and they get married, and they stab me in the back, and they walk away, or whatever it is. We know what it's like to be betrayed. Jesus was betrayed. The Bible says in John 8, 5, he says, And Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. You, you talk about... Somebody that you invested in. And Jesus felt that betrayal. It sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Encountered him in the garden with a kiss. Jesus embraced Judas in the garden, his friend. It hurt. 
Jesus was um, lied about. They called him an imposter, a fake deceiver. He was lied about. Jesus was abused. He's emotionally and physically abused. I mean, they beat him. They scourged him. They spit in his face. They, they, they mocked him. They called him king of the Jews. They took the thorns and they wrapped it up. And it wasn't, today we look at it as like, oh, how precious. And man, we see the crown of thorns. and We identify with the pain that he had. But I tell you, back then, all it was is they were making fun of him. And you say, man, I know what it's like to be made fun of. Jesus was being made fun of. They nailed a sign to the top of the cross saying, mocking him as king of the Jews. He, he was burdened. In the midst of all of this, they placed a cross on him to carry, a heavy weight. He was burying and carrying the sins of the world. He, he, he identifies with that with us. He was shamed. I know we don't talk about this a lot, but he was stripped and put on the cross. He was shamed. He, surely he had carried our sorrows. He, he bore our shame on the cross. So Jesus doesn't identify with me, and I'm telling you that Jesus identifies with us. And even in the same way that he identifies with us and all these things, you, you must understand that that is also how he demonstrates how to handle problems in life. There's so much more to life. Yes, he walked with the disciples. Yes, he taught with the disciples. Yes, he ministered with the disciples. There's more to the ministry of Jesus and the disciples just this than just this. After they finish the Last Supper, Judas betrays him and he goes out and Jesus with them and then something happens. And I want you guys to get this. Going to the garden and being arrested and putting on trial, was, that was that dark spot of God's life and Jesus' life. He was, he was literally in the garden. You guys know the story. He, he, was, he was pleading before God, sweating tears uh, or, or sweats of, uh, of blood and weeping in the garden. He was broken in the garden. You say, well, well how did Jesus handle it? Can, can I show you how he handled it or what Jesus did when he handled this? Let me read this. Mark 14, 26. And if you're with in the book of Mark, we're going to stay there for the rest of our, our, our passage of the message. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, let, let me just be real with you for a minute. Could it not have been where Jesus said, guys, I'm about to do something really hard. It's going to be crazy and change the world. But I'm Jesus, so I'm going to go do this thing. You guys just take care of everything. Jesus literally, as he's going into this dark valley, going into being arrested, going into the betrayal and everything like this is what he does. He says, and they went with him. Here is, we're we're talking about the lies that take you out of the game. You ready for this lie? This This is the lie. This is being on the bench, okay? This is it. I can do this by myself. Satan loves for you to say that. He loves for a Christian to be like, well, I don't really get involved. I can do this by myself. Or I like attending online, but I can do this by myself. Or I don't really need people. I don't really open up the people. I can do this by myself. That is one of the biggest lies that Satan uses to take you out of the game. Do you realize Jesus himself did not even go through life by himself? Jesus did not face ministry by himself. Not at all. Let me read again. They sung a hymn, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. They went out together. Jesus was like, come with me. They went with Jesus. They got off the the bench. Let, Let me show you three things that we need in life when it comes to this. Let me show you this. Number one, we need people to share life with. We need people. I I didn't say it's a good thing to have people. No, as much as a car needs gas, you need people. You need people in your life. Here's the thing. When we we are 
We are called by Jesus, we are demonstrated by Jesus to intentionally engage in the life of others. I'm not talking about random coincidences. It, it's almost like if you're going to war, you're going to be like, hey, will you guys go with me? Because I can't do this alone. That's how we need to deal with life. Hey, guys, we need people that we intentionally engage with. It's not a random thing. It's like, well, I know a guy. No, I'm not talking about friends on Facebook. I'm not talking about people that like your memes. I'm talking about people that will go with you during dark times. He said, well, I thought that was a church, Pastor Tony. A lot of times when we think of the church, we think of this, and this is the church. Don't get me wrong. But let me demonstrate through Jesus that Jesus took with the relationships within the church deeper than this. Jesus was teaching them how to face problems. You don't do it alone. Jesus was teaching them how to deal with life. Don't do it alone. You can't do this by yourself. You're not meant to do this by yourself. If anybody could have done it by themselves, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus said, come with me into this dark hour. Verse 26, and they went to the Mount of Olives. Jesus trained them for three years, and it comes to this point. But in the midst of all that time, they became friends. They were close. Man, I, I, I know we have acquaintances in life, and we have people that we're connected with. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I think we go to church together. It's, I'm not talking about those types of people. I, I'm talking about deeper than this. They served together. They prayed together. They laughed together. They cried together. Do you know when Lazarus died, Jesus showed up, and here he's going he's gonna to rescue him and, and pull him out of the grave and give him life. And Jesus, before he did that, what did he do? He wept. He weeps with those that weep. And, and he was stepping into the emotions of their pain that they were going through. Jesus spent even the last moments before he died on the cross. What did he do? He spent it with the disciples in the upper room. Not a mass crowd, not everybody that he met, but with the, the, the inner 12 that he had, the inner three that he had especially. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, do you, go, do you walk into valleys alone? You, here's, here's what happens a lot of times. Please get this. Jesus brought the disciples with him into the dark valley that he was going with. But a lot of times, this is what happens to us in life. We walk into the dark valleys of our, our, our life with the idea, I've got this, and I don't really get involved, and I don't go to groups, and I don't have a life group, and I'm all right, until you're in this dark valley, and then you're like, nobody even cares about me. You should have never been there by yourself. You should have never, ever walked into that valley, because if you're waiting to use friends as like a parachute to get you out of a situation, it's like, all right, now I need you. No, that's not how it works. From the very beginning, Jesus called them, go with me, pray with me, walk with me, teach with me, minister with me, walk with me through life. I'm not making this up. This is the, the example of the life of Jesus Christ. Because this is us. I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Until you get to that, and then you're just like, the church doesn't even love me. It's like, what, what do you mean by the church? You're talking about the... 614-837-5807, phone number you call to get information? Because the church is so much more than an office. The church is the people that you're sitting with right now. It, it is a called out body of believers. It's the living stone stacked on money. It's the body of Christ. It is the people. It is, it is the family of God. We're meant to be in each other's lives. Jesus had a connection long before he faced the darkest hours. And he taught them to walk with each other as they go through this. Be intentional. The Bible says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Do you get that? You say, you're just like, I don't want to be there by myself. And God says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. You have got to make yourself friendly. 
uh, connect to people. You have to intentionally go out of your way to be friends. That's like when we sit there and say, we have life groups, we have Connexpo, and everybody's like, I'm just there for the snacks. I mean, we had a lot of good snacks, don't get me wrong. It was a great time. Everybody's like, it's like a buffet. You're like, glad you didn't have to take the kids out to eat afterwards. I'm glad that we have Connexpo for that reason. But you understand, it's the people on the other side of the table that we were trying to connect you with, not just the nachos and cheese, okay? There was, there was more to that agenda that we were doing. Because the fact is that you're going to go through things. A, friend, a, a, a man that has friends, he's going to have to show himself to be friendly. And what do you get from that? Oh, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. It, it is a matter of connecting with people. You must engage with people. It's, it's why we have programs like Life Groups. And I'll tell you, the program of Life Groups is just the avenue to get you connected. But what we do when we gather together with people, that's what matters. Here's the purpose of everything that we do when it comes to life groups and groups and all the things, meet me at the well and things like that that we do, is we don't face life alone. You were not created by God to face life alone. Let me show you, verse 32. And they came to the place which is named Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, sit ye here while I shall pray. So, oh, there you go. He did go and go into the darkest valley alone. Let me finish. Don't overlook this. Let, let, let me show you what God did through this tight group that he was part of, that he was part of this inner group. And sometimes we get upset. Guys, l- listen, can I just lay out something, just be real with you guys? Sometimes we will say things like, that church is just a bunch of cliques. You guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever thought, could Jesus be blamed for hanging out with a clique? Would you confront Jesus and be like, you are, that's just a click. He's got Peter, James, and John, and he hangs out with them all the time, and it's just a click. I'm not having anything to do with Jesus because he's clickish. You would write Jesus off. Do you know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus sat with the Pharisees and he confronted the Pharisees. He sat with, he sat with the, the inner parts of the, the, the prop people that were going. He, 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 he went to lepers. The people that everybody casts out. He went to the Samaritan woman that they had no dealings with. See, the thing is, you should be friends with everybody. You should connect with everybody. You should be open for everybody. But there, you should have, a, oh my goodness, am I really going to say this? You should have a click. You, you should have people in your inner circle that you connect with. But sometimes we have the idea of a click. It's us four and no more. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus still reached without his circle, okay? And I, I think that's where, but if there's people that you hang out with, praise God for that, that you have the Peter, the James, and the John in your life. Because there's some people that you're naturally going to be closer to, and don't write them off saying they're in a clique. No, they just have friends. And that's a friend that's closer than a brother. But I promise you, in this atmosphere of this church, you can't have that type of relationship with everything in this, everybody in this room. If you did, just try to go to Chipotle together as a church, you know, and see how that works out together. You can't even get through the door. And you're like, well, this isn't working out and I can't talk to everybody. No, there's a, there's a connection that God made within this. Watch this. And he taketh with him Peter, James, and John. And he began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. You know how powerful this is? Jesus is literally about to fall out inside just holding it together guys will you stay here and pray and peter hey john you guys come with me watch watch what jesus does when he gets beyond the group 
And he taketh Peter, James, and John. And it begins so amazed. The, the, the amaze is to be overwhelmed with emotion. It's like, whoa! You know, just like, wow. And we always say that in the positive sense, which a lot of times it is. I was so amazed. But it is also the idea of being overthrown or overtaken with emotions. And to be very heavy. Okay, literally to the point where I can't handle this. So we're, we're falling out. See, you need people in your life, but you also need people to be real with you. You need people that you can be real with. You see the humanity of Jesus here. And notice what he does with the inner three, with the closeness of the people. When he gets them and he says, guys, will you go with me? Now you could see almost to where we would be upset and saying, Oh, Jesus, what about the rest of us? As they, you, know, you know what I'm saying? And, and our, but the thing is, there, there are some people that you only open up to. There, there's, a, there's an inner circle that you should have. I, I, I talk about Bubba and Scott all the time. I talk, I, me, Dave, Bubba, and Scott, we hung out together. We were friends, and we had another friend named Brandon. We grew up together. We were tight together. As Scott came and preached for me a couple weeks ago. You guys know who he is. Those were my inner three. I didn't count Dave because he was a jerk, but those were the other ones were my inner three. I, 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 had a, I had a bond with those guys. I would open up and we would provoke one another to love and good works. And I'd say, I had tons of friends, but I needed those guys. I needed them. Verse 34, Jesus saith unto my soul. Now, now notice this. He saith unto them. Not to the whole group, not to the whole church, it's not coming down, pastors, can I have a microphone? Okay, listen. And he saith unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. It says, Terry here, he, the, Terry here, it's like, will you stay here? That, that's what it means. It says, will you stay here? Will you stay with me and watch? Will you, will you be aware, alert, awake, in tune with what's going on? And he went forward at a little and he, and he fell on the ground. The Bible doesn't say he knelt down. He literally gave out. He fell on the ground and he prayed. He began to be honest with God as he was honest with them. And if it were possible that this hour might pass from him. But can, can I show you this of what Jesus is doing with those inner three? He was like going to those guys and he, he had the crowd and he had the group and he had the other nine that were there or the other eight that were there because Judas wasn't there. But he said to those three that were there, he says, guys, will you go with me? And will you stay with me? Will you stand with me? Will you pray with me? And he told them things that he did not tell everybody else. He opened up to them. I need you in this moment. Let me put it like this. I need you to have my back. And I'm not just making that up. He said, will you watch with me? Will you be awake and alert? Will you be in tune with what I'm going through? He took it a step further. And he's saying, when I'm going through hard things, I need you to go with me. Peter, James, and John went with them. Verse 34, he saith unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. See, when you are real with others, you share your burden. Do you know why a lot of people never open up to people? Because you're not close enough people to open up to them. So you know what you do? You bear it by yourself. And you know, can I just tell you that that's unbiblical? The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill what? Oh, the law of Christ. You, you were never created by God to bear that burden by yourself. Bear ye one another's burdens. I, I did a, a message one time where I preached that one passage 
and I brought up the communion table that we had, and I just asked the guy, I said, will you come up here and hold this up for me? And I took a guy, and I made them hold it up, and they're like, literally, for the first couple of minutes, he was just flexing, you know, he was just cool. And then, like, 10 minutes into the message, he was shaking. And I said, you got this, right, man? You got this, and please don't drop that. You know, he was just shaking all that communion table. And I said, you know what, that's not how it's supposed to be, and I called, I already had some guys, they said, well, some of you guys else come up, and I had, like, five other guys that came up, and they just, And all of a sudden, that person that was shaking was no longer shaking anymore because the thing was, he had other people to help bear the load. That's the way God made it. A lot of Christians today are falling apart, and you're like, what are you doing? Well, you shouldn't be bearing that alone. You were never created to bear that alone. You shouldn't be bearing that alone. Why did Jesus have them there? Can I, can I tell you guys that something that, that I, I'm not trying to misinterpret scripture. I'm, I'm just trying to explain what was going on. Jesus wanted those inner three to be with him. And sometimes we make it about, well, Jesus was demonstrating the example of prayer. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus was like, come pray with me. But have you ever thought that maybe the opposite, that Jesus and his humanity just wanted those men with him? Think, think about it. If it was just a demonstration of watch me pray, men, he would have said, all 11 of you come with me, but he didn't. He surrounded, with, he surrounded himself that he opened up to, to have, to have them have his back. It's not only that we, when we're real with each other, we bear each other's burdens, but when we're real with each other, we're able to confront each other. And I'm saying this isn't a crowd of everybody. If, you know, if somebody comes up to you and says, I'll tell you what, I believe you're a terrible Christian. You need to do a better job. And you're like, what's your name? <laughs> it's like, who are you? Like, what are you, what are you getting up in my business with? But can I show you that Jesus confronted Peter with things that he was doing in this moment? Peter, before they went to the garden, Jesus said to him, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, I'll never do that, God. I'll never do that, Lord. I'd rather die than make that, let that happen. He said, dude, dude, tonight you're not only going to do it, you're going to do it three times. In Luke, it says this, he gave him the warning, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. I, I love this illustration he was going through. He said, Peter, do you understand that Satan desires to have you? That he might sift you as weak. That he might destroy you. Tear you apart. Jesus knew his weakness. Jesus spent time with him. I love the fact that this goes two ways. It was not only that Jesus was saying, Peter, will you stand with me as I go? Watch with me. Pray with me. But it went the other way as well. When Peter messed up, Jesus calls out and says, Peter, have you any meat? Have you caught anything? No, we've been out fishing all night. That was later in the thing. See, the thing is, it's a mutual thing. It's not just a matter of, I need you to have my back. No, whose back do you have? A lot of times in the Christian circles, it's all about, well, I need people to look out for me and the church isn't doing that. I'm, I'll, I'll turn it around on you. Who do you, who do you watch out for? Who, who are you close to that you're texting to pray? I, I, I tell you, I have people right now that are, are in, in my inner friends that I can tell you text me almost every day or every other day praying for me and standing with me. And you say, why is it? God just brings people into your life that you know that you need to stand with each other. Notice this, verse 37. And he cometh and he findeth them sleeping and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst thou not watch, uh, watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest he enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He talked about being real. What was Jesus doing? Peter, Jesus loved Peter. Do you know what Jesus was doing? He was being real with him. In the darkest hour that he was dealing with, he turns around to the person that was close to him and he said, wake up, dude. 
This is what I told you. I don't know if Jesus said dude, so don't quote me on that, all right? People are like, Jesus said dude. But wake up, man. He says, uh, your, your spirit indeed is willing. You think you have this worked out, but I know you well enough to know that you have weaknesses and you're going to fall on your face. I think that is so vital for us because in the Christian life, you know one of the terrible things that we do is we don't confront one another. You realize that we, would, we, we need to be watching, be aware of people that are slipping out of church. The people that you're close to. You know what the problem is? This is what you do. This is a bench warmer. You ready like this? Well, that's not really any of my business. What he does is between him and his wife or between him and God. And don't get me right. There are some things that's between him and God. But I tell you, when it comes to the Christian life, the Bible says, you know, in Hebrews, when he talks about the Christian life, and we talk about forsaking, not the assembling of ourselves together. You know what else he said in that same passage? Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Do you know what the word consider means? It means you take notice of one another. You know what you do when you take notice? You provoke them. To love and good works. You should call each other out and love. You see, when you're close to people, you get up and say, dude, what are you doing? You shouldn't be dating that person. You shouldn't be talking that way. Dude, what, are you, what is that attitude? You talking, you, 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 you're you're, you're in, a, in a state of mind that's going to set you up for an affair. You're in a state of mind that you're going to lose your marriage. You're in a state of mind. I, I heard you talk to your kid and that's not right. You see, true love confronts one another. That's what Jesus did. There'd be a lot less casualties in the church if you were connected to people close enough that you could speak truth into each other's life and just simply be real. He said, I thought that was judging. You know, that, uh, that's a whole other message for another time, the one you use to judge, not let you be judged. People take that out of context so much. I'm talking about a relationship between people. I'm asking you who has your back. You need people to share life with you. You need people to be real with you. Let me close with this. You need people that will pray with you. And I know you just sound like, well, that's just a cliche thing. No, listen. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, thou hast desired to have you that he might sift you as weak, but I have prayed for thee. This is, this is something important. Jesus himself literally says to Peter, I see the weakness in you. He said, I prayed for you. But notice what the request was with Jesus the other side, he says, watch and pray. In Mark 4.38, Mark, watch and pray. Watch means to be aware, alert, active in my situation. Stand with me in prayer. Help me as we pray together. This is what people say all the time. And I, I hear this all the time. Just, Pastor Tony, all I really need is just me and God. To, let me lay it out there. You know what the truth is? You do need God. <laughs> you need God all the way. You need all of God. But can I also tell you this? You know how God works? God works through people. So I wish God would just come in and help me today. I'm just going through a hard time. And then somebody knocks on the door and you're just like, go away, I'm waiting on God. (laughs) I wish I had encouragement because I'm going through some stuff right now. You get a text and like, I love you, brother. I'm just praying for you. I appreciate that, but I need God to help me. God works through people. Jesus was demonstrating to the disciples, this is how you go through life. From the very beginning to Peter's mother-in-law being sick, all the way to the end as they're going into the darkest valley, he was expressing to him that you need people. Jesus was saying, you need your church, you need your inner circle, you need your inner friends. You need people that will be real with you, call you out, bear your burdens and pray with you. 
I'm so thankful. I give God the praise and the glory for my life group. I, I, I love my life group. I'm, I'm just so thankful for it. And if anybody's in here as part of my life, you, you guys know we have a connection. God has blessed us with that. My birthday was August 1st. I was not excited about my birthday at all. Not at all. Not when your son is having CT scans to find out if the cancer was growing. And, and we did find out on my birthday that it was growing. Double. The day before we had life group. It's my birthday and I'm, the last thing on my mind was my birthday or anything like that. I just wasn't in the zone. Then I, um, I, I walked downstairs to go into my life group and to walk into the class. And they had a surprise birthday party for me. I was just so thrilled. I was like, wow, just like overwhelmed with like emotion and the friendship and everything that they did. I still wasn't, you know, in my mind, I'm just dreading the next day. You know what they said? They were like, Tony, we know what tomorrow is. We know how you and Jenny are feeling right now. We know the heaviness that you're dealing with. This is your birthday. That's not the only reason why we brought you here stood me in the room they all gathered around us and they just prayed they knew what I needed then we had cake but before then we prayed it was like I didn't have to go in there and say guys my mind's in another place right they knew that I didn't have to say that guys I'm just really heavy right now and I'm just burdened and I'm broken and I'm scared and they knew that you have people that know you that well. You should. He that has friends must show himself to be friendly and you'll have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That won't just leave you when you're going through hard times. You'll have that Peter, James, and John. But when, you do, when they do go in there, don't fall asleep on them, okay? Because that, that, that's what they did with Jesus, okay? But I'm saying when they were going through a hard time, the whole example was is just don't do it alone. Who has your back? Because I'm not, I didn't preach a whole message to set you up for life group, but I did set you up for the purpose of life group. I did telling you that we grow together in groups. And in groups is where we have each other's backs. And it's in the 12 that God was able to turn the world upside down. And within the 12, God gave them a few friends or God had people around them to be able to bear the burdens that God has established us in life because we know that we're going to have it. So God established us in life for people that have your back. Who has your back? And whose back do you have? And I know it's all about Jesus. And no matter what we do, we go through the valleys and we go through the hard times with Jesus. But as we go through it with Jesus, Jesus uses people. And Jesus has a plan to use you. So right now, some of you are, this is where you're at. I could do this by myself. That is a big, fat lie. 